and you'll find that on page number 1160, page 1160 in the church Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. going to read today the first six verses of this chapter. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secrets and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, By setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Now this is God's word. Now keep it open. Why are we investing our time and our energy and our money to host this two-week Bible exhibition, this Word Alive event? Well, the answer is a rather bold one. Here's the answer. Because we want people to know the glory of God. That's why we're doing it. Our purpose is for those who are visiting Edinburgh, for those who live in Edinburgh that they would know and experience God in all his glory. That, that's why we're doing this two-week exhibition. That's why all the events are on. We want people to know and experience this God in all his glory. That's what this is about. Now, maybe you're new here. Uh, maybe you're unfamiliar to church and you're visiting. I wonder what's caused you to attend today. Curiosity, perhaps. Uh, maybe you're beginning to ask some of the big questions. Uh, Why am I here? What is life about? Can I know God? And at the start of this Words Alive week, I want to draw your attention to this one particular verse that we just read, verse 6 of chapter 4, which says this. Look back at it again. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Uh, This sentence is part of a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote in the first century to this church that he had planted in Corinth, which is in the area that would be considered modern-day Greece. And as you can see from this one sentence, Paul claimed that we could know The glory of God. Do you see that in verse 6? He talks about the knowledge of the glory of God. And he he wanted them to know that they could know the glory of 
God. And this is a very personal statement. It's autobiographical. He knew it was true because it was true in his own experience. And the truth is that what he wrote there has been experienced by literally millions of people uh, over the last 2,000 years right up to today. That they know that this is the case. And that's why we're going to take time to examine that uh, today. And I want to give uh, three reasons why we can come to know the glory of God. And they're all from this one verse. First of all, uh, because of creation. Do you see how the very first line speaks of God speaking creation into existence? Who is God? Who's the God we're talking about? Well, he is the God who made everything. He's the God who created all things. And Paul is quoting from the very first chapter of the book of Genesis. And he, uh, he's using that to remind us of, of this, that before creation, there was God. And God, this one God, created all things. He created the material world of, of matter, of energy. And uh, the opening chapter of Genesis tells us that uh, God made the heavens and the earth. And to begin with, they were, they were formless and void and in darkness. And then it says, God created light. And how did he do that? How did God do that? Well, as Paul correctly quotes here, he speaks it all into existence. God speaks and it comes to be. He puts the data in. He puts the information in. And such is his power and his might that his very words cause the whole of the cosmos to come into being. When you consider the vastness and the complexity of the billions of galaxies, you'll have to say that this is a God of infinite power and authority. And whether you're looking through a microscope or whether you're looking up into the heavens through a telescope, you'll have to say that this is a God of amazing creativity and order and beauty. We're just now getting to gaze at, at, at galaxies that are light years away that are stunningly beautiful. This is the God who made it all. How did he do it? This God said, let light shine out of darkness. And there was light. Now this is very profound. You see, this, this creator God that we're talking about today... Uh, this transcendent God is a personal God. He can communicate. He can speak. He's knowable because he reveals himself in speech. And so we can have a true knowledge of the glory of God. Uh, I don't know whether you like uh, festival time in Edinburgh or whether you hate it. Uh, it depends how long you've lived here, I guess. I'm still here in the early stages and I love it. I think it's great. Maybe when I get older, I'll hate it. I don't know. But uh, it's fantastic. The place is full of people. And what are they doing? They're speaking. Uh, they're, they're acting. They're, they're singing. But words are flying out everywhere. Creativity, dramas, plays, songs, comedies, uh, comedians. They're all spewing out words. It must be a printer's delight. Have you seen all the paper that's stuck everywhere and in the bins? The printers are rubbing their hands. They love it, all the communication that's going out. Now, why do we do all this speaking, all this communicating? Well, the Bible says we do it because of this. Because we are made in the image of God who speaks and reveals himself. That's why we speak and reveal ourselves, because we're in the image of the God who speaks and reveals himself. All 
knowledge, all wisdom, all science, all art is a witness to our God of glory. And I love it that the Edinburgh Central Library, which is what the picture is there, uh, has those words over the door. Uh, I think it was Andrew Carnegie who paid for this building and the... um, The architect was a chap called George Washington Brown. And I don't know who made the decision to put this text there, but they decided that they would put the words of the Bible over the library door. And I love that there is, they saw, or someone saw the link between the God who speaks and is the fount of all wisdom, science, knowledge, truth, and beauty. And they stuck it over the doors uh, where you can go and read lots of books, some of which have merit. This is a speaking God. I had a friend who, um, when I was uh, studying dentistry in London, who mocked me because I was talking to him about how God talks to us and communicates to us through a book. And he went, Reese, that's so lame. God, God speaking through a book, how useless is that? That's, that's pathetic. And uh, let me tell you, there are about 700 authors turning up to the book festival who don't think that's lame at all. They think it's a great way to communicate their thoughts, their ideas, uh, to tell their stories. And we've yet to come up with a better way of communicating information than writing things down. It has stood the test of time. Do you know in Jerusalem there was huge excitement last month because they've discovered the oldest form of writing in the archaeological digs there. They found uh, some clay on which people, people have written and it's about 3,000 years ago. It's writing that comes from the very time where uh, King David would have been uh, around. No, this is a great way to communicate thoughts and ideas down through the centuries, recording uh, what can be known of God. This is the claim of the Bible. We would encourage you to come and take time and think about the Bible, have a look at the Bible exhibition. In summary, the Old Testament is full of promises that God makes and begins to work out. And the New Testament shows how ultimately all those promises are fulfilled in the coming of Jesus of Nazareth, that he was the promised Messiah King, that he is the Son of God. That is in essence what the book of the Bible is about. Now, this was the discovery that totally changed Paul, that totally turned his life around. And here in this autobiographical verse, he, he talks about how he came to know this knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Look back at verse 4 in the, in the last phrase there. He speaks there of seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. This was the stunning revelation that Paul had at a point in his life. We read at the beginning of our service from Exodus 33, Moses very boldly said to God, show me your glory. And God says, well, I will let all my goodness pass before you. If you want to see the glory of God, it's all tied up with his goodness. His goodness is glorious. And God declares his character, who he is. And God says to him, but you cannot see my face. No one can see my face and live. Well, the stunning revelation for Paul as he went on the road to Damascus was that he saw the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw the image of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He saw the glory of God in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And it completely changed his life around And eyewitnesses have written down the life of Jesus 
so that we too can have a knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And that's what we have in the Bible. Now, we live at a time of great ignorance, I think, uh, in our culture. It's ironic. We've never had more translations of the Bible into English, and yet we live at a time of outstanding ignorance about the Bible and about the Christian faith. Uh, A neighbor of ours told us uh, earlier this year that... To be honest, she hardly had any knowledge of what the Christian faith was about. And she was someone who attended her local parish church on a regular basis. 95% of people don't attend any sort of uh, church at all here in Edinburgh. And so our hope is that this exhibition will play its part to educate and remind Edinburgh uh, of this greatest treasure that we have, the Bible. In essence... Uh, That statement over the library would be true if there was only one book in that library in the Bible. That would be, that's all you'd really need. But there's a second reason uh, why we can come and know and experience uh, the glory of God. Not just that the God in his creation has spoken, but that this God is also involved in conversion. Verse 6, look again. For God who said that light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts. Now I'm aware that much that I've said today is pretty controversial, uh, even derided. Seeing the glory of God all sounds to many as laughable. Um, why are so many not going to church? Why are the numbers of Christians so more small in the Western world? Uh, not true in huge tracts of Africa and uh, uh, in, the, in the global south but there we are this is true today in western Europe why are the numbers of uh, who attend church so small why do so few believe it all sounds so primitive and backward looking and foolish to many I mean why do people reject Christianity well the surprising answer is in verse 3 and 4 of our chapter and even if our gospel is veiled it is veiled to those who are perishing The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Very soon after I graduated from studying dentistry in London, I moved up to Scotland and started working as a dentist. And um, I used to boast about the grandeur and the beauty of Scotland to some of my poor benighted friends still living in London. Uh, surrounded by the concrete everywhere. And one of my friends uh, kind of said, well, I'm going to come up and have a look, Paul. So he came up and I said, well, I will take you to the most beautiful, a really beautiful place. I'm going to take you to Loch Lomond. Absolutely beautiful. So we drove up. By the time we pulled up to Loch Lomond, a thick mist (laughs) had come down. This This was dense. Forget about seeing Ben Lomond. You couldn't see the loch. Literally, we stood on the edge of the loch. Any further, we got our feet wet. You could not see it. It was just like this. And he looked at me. I mean, he could have looked at me and said, Paul Rees, you're a liar. I don't believe there is this glory and grandeur of Scotland. You're a fool. You're an idiot. Now, thankfully, he's a reasonable and rational person. We both just laughed about it. The glory was there. It was just shrouded in mist. Now this is the condition, this is the natural condition of every human being. 
We are all spiritually blind to the glory of God. God has revealed himself very clearly in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. In his life, in his words, in his actions, in his, in his holiness, in his compassion, in his wisdom, in his kindness, in his love. And, and he came in fulfillment of all God's promises he'd made hundreds of years before. He came in fulfillment of them all. And in his life and death and his resurrection, he reveals that he is the promised king. And he is the Lord God come in human flesh. Jesus Christ is Lord. But even those who saw the events of the life of Jesus, many of them were blinded to their significance. Because there is, a, there is a veil that covers our eyes, that covers our hearts, that prevents us from seeing the glory of God that is there. And yet, and yet people do come to see. Now, why is this? How is this? Well, here's Paul's point. The the, the God who who was at work in creation, speaking, let light shine out of darkness, this God is still in the work of conversion. He causes his light to shine in our hearts. Do you see the parallel between Uh, The darkness of of creation before light and the darkness of our hearts before God does his work upon us. This is true because of our sin, because of our rebellion, because of our rejection of God. We are blind to the glory and the grandeur of God. And yet, here is our confidence, here is our hope, here is our certainty that we can come and know and experience the glory of God because the same God who caused creation does this work of new creation. He lifts the veil. He clears the mist away so that we can see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That we see that Jesus is God in human flesh. You see verse 4. What does the God of this age do? He blinds us from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of of God. And when God does that miracle, he enables us to see that this was not just a, a historical man, but this is God in human flesh. But you know, Jesus came not just simply to be uh, someone who reveals God to us, he came to rescue us. He came to deal with that fundamental problem of our sin and our rebellion in his death upon the cross. He paid the price uh, of, of, of our sin, the punishment that our sin deserved in his death upon the cross. You see, we can know and experience the glory of God because God does this work. Now, Paul knew this for sure because it happened in his life. As we read earlier from Acts 26, he was a vehement uh, persecutor of Christians, a vehemently opposed the whole idea of Jesus being the Christ, the Son of God. He hated it. He chased it down. He put people into prison. He put people to death. But on the Damascus road, a bright light shone around him. He fell down and he called, uh, he heard these words, Saul, Saul, that was his name before he, uh, he was a Christian. Why do you persecute me? And he calls out the question, who are you, Lord? And here was the reply that shook his world. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. God shone the light 
of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, into his life. He unveiled his sight. He transformed his hardened heart. And Paul became the great preacher, missionary, church planter who proclaimed that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's not just the um, experience of Paul. This has been the experience of every single person who becomes a Christian. Uh, we saw it in Charlene's story, didn't we? Walking along. Knowing the stories, but not really trusting Christ. Getting a Bible, uh, eventually picking it up again and beginning to read it. And God opening her eyes. And she could not get enough of Jesus. She wanted more and more. of Jesus suddenly became beautiful to her. The, the revelation of God, and she wanted more and more and more. And she's going to get baptized in a couple of weeks. Actually, is it next week? Is it next week? Yeah, next Sunday. Um, here at Charlotte Chapel. Not just true of Charlene, it was true of Teresa, wasn't it? In her story, she wrestled with the book of Colossians. And as others taught it to her, she came to see it. And it's completely changed and transformed the direction of her life. I can tell you she's quite a smart woman. She could have done lots of things. But she's chosen to invest her time so that others too could come in Papua New Guinea to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We can know the glory of God today because this God who spoke creation is still speaking and shining his light and bringing about conversion in people as they see it and they trust and believe. And the third reason we can know the glory of God from this passage is because God not only uh, creates and converts, but he commissions people to take out this gospel. That's what happened to Paul. Uh, he shone his light into my heart. He shone his light into our hearts. It says, to do what? To give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. God flooded his heart with light. He had that light. And then he knew that that conversion moment was a commission for him to be someone who was like a lamp shining out that light to others. That others would come to know. That others would come to see. That's what he gave himself to. It would look like a hopeless endeavor, wouldn't it? To engage in the work of sharing the gospel when you see verse 4. What's the point? What's the point if people are blind to it? What's the point if you've got dark spiritual forces that are blinding the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light? What is it that changes that from verse 4 to the reality of God uh, speaking, uh, saying, let light shine out of darkness? What is, what's in between there? What's in between verse 4 and verse 6? It's verse 5. You are Bible students. Look at verse 5. What? What? What is in between these things? Verse 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. How is it that God shines the light of his glory in the face of Christ into people's hearts? He sends people like you and me. He sent the Apostle Paul to preach, not ourselves, but the Lord Jesus Christ. To preach Jesus Christ as Lord. See, as we engage in this work together as a church, what's our job? 
Well, Paul saw it clearly in uh, uh, verse 2. He simply sets forth the truth plainly. Uh, Our job is simply to tell people the good news about Jesus Christ. To preach not ourselves but Christ. And that, that proclaim, that heralding, that could be uh, in a pulpit like this, but it could be just as easily in one-to-one conversations uh, with complete strangers as you offer them tea and coffee on the street, or whether it be conversations with people who come into the exhibition, or, or in groups like Glad You Are, or Christianity Explored. We simply do the work of proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord. And what's God's work? What does God do? God sends his light. God opens blind eyes. Our job is not the results. We are not in the business of manipulating people or distorting the message to make it just get more people to come along. Our job is to simply tell the truth, undiluted, plainly, clearly, and it's up to God to do that work of transformation. Last year, did we ever think that there would be someone walking along the street called Charlene Baines and who would just be happening to think, gosh, I'd like a Bible. And well, there's a Bible exhibition. And God's at work. My, uh, my Christian friends here today, these next two weeks are a fantastic opportunity. I think we've all got some spare time. Come on down. There's stuff you can do where that's praying. Praying that God would do that work of opening blind eyes. Or that's just welcoming, being friendly, offering tea and coffee, giving out invites, or getting involved in myriads of ways where we can preach not ourselves, but the Lord Jesus Christ. Wonderful opportunity. He did it for us. If you ever think, well, actually, uh, I don't know, does this really work? He did it for you, (laughs) didn't he? He's doing it for others too. And if you're here and you're not a Christian here today, and uh, in, in truth be told, you, you don't know much about the Lord Jesus. You don't know why, why were they singing for so long? Why were they singing those songs about the cross? What was that all about? What should you do? Well, number one, can I say we're so glad you're here. Um, you know, there's no need for you to be ignorant. There is much information, both in the exhibition. Uh, we gladly give you a Bible. We would gladly uh, encourage you to come along to Glad You Asked and ask all the questions that you might have uh, that uh, maybe hold you back from becoming a Christian, finding out about it. But what I would say to you today is actually, if you want to see the glory of God, you're only going to do that if God does a miracle in your life. And if you're serious about wanting to see the glory of God in the face of Christ, you need to pray. And say to this God, God, would you open my blind eyes to see? Would you take away the mist? Would you take away the veil? Help me to understand what they're so excited about. Help me to know you. I can assure you, if you call out to God in that way, he'll answer. Come, keep coming. God uses his words and the preaching of his word as a means to shine the light of his glory in the face of Christ into our darkened hearts. Turn to him. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It is as simple as that. Turn to him even this day. Let's pray.